So I'm going to start with a little story about a little boat ride in uh, Acts 27 and 28. <laughs> a nice, comfortable boat ride. And uh, Paul was to be brought to uh, trial to, to appeal to Caesar. And on this boat ride, it, uh, it's not going very well. In fact, it's going horrible, I guess. <laughs> uh, and as they're cruising along, you know, things just keep going worse and worse. And uh, yet, in the middle of the night, angel of the Lord appealed to, to Paul and says, Hey, you are going to make it, and so are all the rest of the people in the boat because I need you to appeal to Caesar. So anyways, so as the boat ride's going, this is great. They finally shipwreck and they make it to the island of Malta. And so you're thinking, man, Paul's finally like, yes, things are finally going good, right? And then they decide to have a little bonfire to warm up. And as they're having this little bonfire, a serpent latches on to Paul. <laughs> so it's like, dude, you know, he finally makes it through this whole boat ride, and then all of a sudden the serpent latches on. He just shakes it off. But all the natives are like, this guy's got to be guilty. He's got to be guilty because they, they, he's going to die. We know he is. So they just keep watching. And nothing happens. He's fine. So, like I said, I like to put myself in these stories. And uh, there's been a couple times out at our property I've been having a little bonfire myself. And a little garter snake, a couple different times, a little garter snake comes out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, ah! I freak out about a little garter snake, you know? <laughs> like, ah! like, I want to kill the thing because I don't want it to latch onto me. So I'm kind of like, oh, where is my faith? I hope that, uh, you know, at that moment, uh, you know, like if a serpent really would latch on, that my faith would be that sky high that I could be like, huh, no big deal. And I think a lot of us are at that spot where like, you know, really, where is my faith to get to that spot? But I want to pick up the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples. First of all, he condemned them from unbelief, but then he goes on to this. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover so according to Jesus that's his expectations let's rise and pray
Oh, my beloved children. These expectations that I put that I put on you is not to condemn you, but to raise you up. Because I see the potential that's in you, because my son is in your hearts. Because my son is in your hearts, anything, and I mean anything, is possible for those that believe. So, Father, we ask, we ask for that relationship, that partnership with you and with your son and with the Holy Spirit to just rise to those levels that anything that cannot harm us, because you have a calling on our lives to defeat the Satan, defeat, defeat Satan and become overcomers in this world. But it is only because we've accepted Jesus in our heart that that's possible. But Father, we thank you that you sent him so that we can accept him. So in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Him. Glory to God. This is the week. This is the week where they did honor Him and praise Him and worship Him on His way into Jerusalem. And then throughout the week, the more they examined Him, the more they didn't like Him. And they decided that they they needed to end this thing. And they walked right into God's plans of redemption. They walked, they stumbled right into putting him on that cross. Killing him. Putting him in a grave. But then what happened? The power of God. He rose. Now we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's next weekend. Don't get don't get crazy on me here. But during this week is when the last supper would have happened. And we're going to commemorate that. We're going to celebrate communion this morning. We do every first Sunday of every month, but this one obviously is a a special one. Amen? It said that on the night that He was betrayed, Jesus was at the meal with His disciples. And it says that He took the bread and He broke it. And he looked at them and he said, this is my body broken for you. They had no idea what he was saying. They did not understand what he was saying. But he did. He knew that his body would be broken for them. At the end of the meal, he took the cup. And it says that he raised that cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Now, it's been a long time since then, but the memory has not diminished. The meaning has not diminished. Every time we celebrate this meal, this bread and this cup, as we remember what Jesus did for us, we proclaim it. The Bible says we're proclaiming His death. And when we proclaim His death, we we proclaim that all sin is forgiven. All disease is paid for. Everything that's His is ours. He cut a new covenant for us in His blood. And as we do that, we're proclaiming to everything around us, every spirit, every every dominion, every, every everything, any, everything around us, we're proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. And today as we receive these elements... We do it in the memory, in in His memory, in Jesus' name. 
Father, we come before you this morning. We're so blessed. We say this every month, but Lord, we're just so blessed. We're so grateful for what you did with sending your only son to die on that cross for us. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient even unto death. Thank you, Lord, that you allowed your body to be broken and your blood to be shed. And Lord, we receive that. We receive that atonement, that forgiveness, that payment. Lord, we're so blessed by you. And we do it in remembrance of you this morning. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Well, I have a really quick announcement to make to you. Um, this, I just got a text on the way over. Uh, Barb Mann texted me as I was driving over this morning. Tomorrow, tomorrow is the 35th anniversary of this church starting. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. Can I have anyone who was here within the first couple of months of the starting of this church? Could you stand? Mary? Yep. Yep. Jerry and the Jerry and family, yep. Anybody else? Oh, Marlene, yeah, Marlene was here. And uh, Barb, but Barb is not here. She texted me, but she, she, is Barb here? Am I missing her? Oh, sure. Well, congratulations. Happy anniversary. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning we have a, a very special guest with us, a guest minister. Uh, Mike Hesch is going to be ministering to us. And uh, with that, we've uh, foregone all the, the announcements and things like that. And, and uh, you know, we're, we also have a, a time of offering. We're going to, you know, just I'm going to briefly let you know about that. Um, usually we have others do it, but uh, today we want to give him as much time to minister. I know you're going to be very blessed. And so this morning, uh, if you want to put the uh, slide up that talks about ways to give, we can give all the different usual ways. There's a box in the back with some envelopes back there. You can go online, you can bring it into the office, you can air, air mail it, I don't care, however you want to do it to get it sent in. But what I want, want you to do is, is as you're praying about what, what you want to give today, what the Lord's leading you to give, um, pray about what to give His ministry, Mike Hesh. If you put in the memo, whether it's on the, on the, uh, the, the envelope in the back or whether it's online in the memo or whatever, Put in Mike Hesh, and we will make sure all of that, every bit of it, goes to his ministry. And I know you'll be blessed. Amen? Wow. I, lull, I lulled you right to sleep, did I? Well, I see how it is. So, no, we're so excited for him to be here today and, and for he and his wife, Caroline. And we're glad they're here with us. And we'll have you give them a warm welcome in just a second. But I also want to uh, introduce to you again. Now, she's been here so much, she's almost become a, a regular attender. Uh, Joni Decker. Could you stand, please, Joni? Hallelujah. For those of you who don't know her, she is the director of Karis Bible College in Plymouth, Minnesota. Is it still in Plymouth? New Hope, New Hope uh, in uh, the Twin Cities here. Um, it, for all of you uh, who are Karis grads, could you stand real quick? Karis grads or students, because you're almost there. Well, are you sure you're going to make it? Okay, okay, just checking. So yeah, give them a warm welcome. and a well, you know, Many, we have about... Uh, we have about 30 regular attenders here and in the other churches here in the valley, uh, Karis grads, about 30 different Karis grads ministering in different ways. And so we're just so blessed to uh, 
have them be a part of it. Now, children, where did Pastor Shiloh go? Did he, have the children been dismissed? Have you, have you picked up? He's right there. There he is. So children, if you want to go to your classroom, you're dismissed. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. We love having you. This is wonderful. But uh, as I uh, introduce uh, Reverend Mike Hesch, he is a uh, uh, instructor at Karis, has taught at their healing school, but he's also doing a lot more ministry, and I hope he tells you all about it online and around the world. Um, speaking of, of healing, how God has healed him, and how God heals today. So let's give a warm welcome to Reverend Mike Hesch. Don't stop. <laughs> that's, that's so good. Okay, thank you, Pastor John. Good morning, everyone. So why should you listen to me this morning? Because the pastor said to. <laughs> that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. How many of you um, have heard of me, first of all? Okay, okay, great. And how many of you have seen the testimony of our... Okay, awesome. That makes it easier to ministry. Um, just very briefly, uh, what Pastor John said was I, I used to work with uh, Andrew Womack Ministries. I worked on his prayer line for seven years. My wife still works with Andrew Womack. And um, uh, through that experience of uh, working on the phone lines, I was like had the pulse of the body of Christ for seven years. And, um, you know, they're people just like us. You know, they're no different than we are. They, they, uh, that's what I learned. I mean, it really humbled me listening to people's prayer requests all day long. And uh, it was very good because I began to see a perspective that I thought was unique to me. And I know when, um, I'll back up just a little bit. Uh, when I was, like in the year 2000, I got very sick with a, uh, I had what they called a malignant neoplasm on my chest. And, uh, you know, being the strong Christian like you guys are, I thought, no problem. You know, Jesus is going to heal me and I'll be, you know, back in the saddle. That was the first year. And then the second year, yes, he's going to, yeah, I'm sure he will. <laughs> you know, and after about seven and a half years of this tumor, uh, growing and growing and growing to where it was just like, just sucked all the life right out of me. And I was just really existing. You know, my wife was kind of caring for me. I was very stubborn. I'm uh, part German. And, uh, uh, and so where my faith couldn't make the grade, it was like that German stubbornness in me. But anyway, I, I got pretty weak to where I almost died. And uh, I have, uh, before it was popular, you know, with the trans thing that's going on, this tumor got so large that I, my wife had to go out and get me a bra and cut out this, the one side of it so I could, you know, just like, because it was so painful, I had to have something to support it. And all along this time, I was doing the things that every one of us are taught to do. I was praying. I was in the Word. I was constantly, uh, you know, confessing the Scriptures, talking about the Word. And uh, my mind and heart was open to all my brothers and sisters. 
And I'll tell you what, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you get really sick, it's amazing the words that people have for you. <laughs> they all know why you're sick. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, how come I don't know? But uh, they all came out of the woodwork and were telling me all these things that I did wrong. And I repented of things I never did, but they said I did, <laughs> you know, because I was desperate to get well. You can imagine that, uh, you know, it robbed me of like seven and a half years of my life. And uh, in that process, it's kind of like what I want to talk about today is um, I learned that even though I was a Christian all my life, and um, I was actually at the time, I was an assistant to the pastor of the church that we were going to, I really didn't, I really wasn't hearing the Lord. You know, I thought I was. And I equated hearing the Lord with knowing a doctrine, okay? I equated uh, being able to sh tell other people what the Word said with really knowing the Lord and uh, really hearing from God. But I discovered that, you know, especially through uh, the prayer ministry that I did for seven years, I discovered that, you know what, we don't hear the Lord, like we think we hear. You know what I mean? Just stop for a second and think. I, I, hope, I hope to put you all on the spot, okay? But in your own heart. Because, you know, I, I got to a point in my journey, healing journey, it was like I said, seven and a half years, I got to this place where I just, like I had to give up everything. You know, I just gave up on every single thing that I thought was going to bring healing in my life. Because probably like many of you, you know, when you have a healing issue in your body and you pray for it and you have other people pray for you. And uh, I, I like to tell this because it's the truth. You know, I used to have really thick hair. But the laying on of hands, <laughs> after a thousand times, it's like, man, what happened? You know, so I'm just like you, you know, I wanted to get well. So anyone that said, hey, you know, God said, you know, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But it didn't work. And so that was probably three years into the journey. And then um, people were all advising me, well, you know, God made the plants, God made the herbs, you know, you should be on herbs and juicing and Man, I juiced till I turned orange. Ask my wife. <laughs> Carrot juice and everything. And the point I'm making is I kept defaulting to things I already knew. Okay? Because my doctrine wasn't working. And what was my doctrine? Listen carefully. My doctrine was 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that you being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. That was my doctrine, okay? But it wasn't really real to me. It wasn't really real to me. You know how I discovered it wasn't real? One day I read this scripture. I'm going to uh, Matthew 21. In Matthew 21, verse 22, and 
you know, this is a, the parallel account is in uh, Mark 11, which you probably all know. But one day I was reading this, and I read the Scripture, and it says, And all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Now, I had the prayer part down. Like 2,000, I don't know, zillion times I'd prayed for it. And, uh, but I, I decided this day to read that Scripture backwards. And I read it like this. If you have received you have believed. And you have to understand, my doctrine was, it's my faith that's going to deliver me. My faith in what Jesus did on that tree. That's what's going to save me. That's what's going to deliver me. That sounds good, doesn't it? And technically, technically, it is correct. You know, by faith, we appropriate every promise that's already been provided for us in Christ Jesus, right? You all agree? Okay, we got one. That's Greece. Awesome. Okay. And uh, so technically, my doctrine said I was right on target. Okay. But what was the evidence telling me? It says, if you have received, you have believed. So you have to understand, I was all in on this, my faith. And so for me to acknowledge the truth meant I was, it was probably going to be game over for me. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. You know, game over. God's going to say, well, you didn't make the grade. But obviously it didn't happen, right? <laughs> still here. But uh, no, uh, it, but in that moment, I was just honest with myself. And I said, you know what? I said, Father, I haven't received, so that means I haven't believed. And you know, to my surprise, the lightning bolt didn't come down. The bottom didn't drop out. I was still there. And this is a unique thing. I felt a peace in my heart. I felt very close to God, probably closer than I had in years. I just felt safe. Like, hey, it's all, it's all okay, you know? And I, I actually had like this... Uh, I don't know what you'd call it, just like a freedom, okay? Because the Scripture says, and and I'm like puzzled about this because my legalistic, you know, ducks in a row kind of mind, um, I'm thinking like, this is strange. And the Lord brought this Scripture to my remembrance. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 32 says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And it was beautiful because I... I understood in that moment that God wasn't offended by my unbelief. But what did he do in that moment? Did he leave me in that moment? No, because he'd already provided healing for me. It was already mine. It belonged to me. But I wasn't taking it in belief. I wasn't really believing that it was already mine. Do you know why I didn't believe it was already mine? I still had the symptoms. That's, that's pretty strong evidence, isn't it? But let me ask you, how many of you were there on the day that Jesus hung on the tree? No one? <laughs> I got to see this guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he, 
Okay, there here comes the smile. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were, but you were there in Christ. You were hanging on that tree in Christ. See, but all of you know Jesus as your Savior. And you don't doubt your salvation just because you sin or anything like that. You know, you're, you're good with that. You tell people about Jesus even though you've blown it four zillion times since you got saved. And you don't doubt it. But you know what? You've never seen Jesus. You haven't seen Jesus. You haven't seen the Father. You haven't seen this place called heaven. But yeah, you're comfortable about that. But yet I had this symptom in my body. And because I had that symptom in my body, deep down in my inside, I really was not believing the rest of 1 Peter 2.24 that says, by whose stripes I was healed. So I know that every single person in this room gets every one of their prayers answered, right? If you don't, for some odd reason, please raise your hand. Okay, we're all in the same boat and it's not going to sink, okay, because Jesus is on the helm. But what I wanted to share today, this was just on my heart, was how did I, or rather I should say, what happened to move my heart from the place where it was at, you know, in that moment where I was like, I, I really was at the end of myself because I didn't know where to go from here. Like, where do I go from here? You know, I know the scriptures. I I laid hands on other people and saw them get well. You know, but here I am sick now. In fact, I had a friend one day come to me, and I was, you know, pretty weak. And he says, you know, Mike, he's like shaking his head. He said, you're the sickest faith-filled man I know. (laughs) And I'm like, Should I punch you or thank you? You know, I just wasn't sure in my mind, like, what is he saying? Folks, we shouldn't have that confusion in our own mind, you know? And so what did our father do to lead me uh, to a place of victory? Okay. in other words, at that moment, I realized I didn't have to say another prayer. God didn't say, well, go to so-and-so and and have them pray for you. I realized, no, that's not. You know what he did? And I'm going to give an illustration how Jesus is always doing this in his word. But he brought a scripture to my mind that I knew very well intellectually. I had assented to it mentally, but I didn't really know it. But when he brought it to my remembrance, I realized in that moment what he was saying. And the reason I did was because my attention in that moment where I confessed, I'm not believing, the evidence is overwhelming. (laughs) If this was a court of law, they'd throw me in the can. Uh, I wasn't believing because I hadn't received. And so it's... You know, I didn't feel guilty in that moment. My heart was open because now I wasn't focused on my physical body anymore. But in that moment, I was just tuned in because he told me I was free. And it's like, really? 
And uh, this is the scripture he told me in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul makes this statement. He says, I am determined not to know anything among anyone save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And you know, in that moment, I knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying, Mike, go back to my word. Look again at what else Jesus did. See, I understood the part of my heart about the uh, forgiveness. You know, I knew that if I sinned or blew it big time, that Jesus bore it before I was ever born. You know, that was already settled in my heart. That was a that was an issue that he took me to his word years prior to that, because, you know, I was raised Lutheran. How many of you anyone have a Lutheran background? Well, gosh, everything you did as a Lutheran, you had to get saved again. You know, it's like, really? This too? <laughs> so anyway, uh, years prior to that, I was just torn as a young man in my 20s. Um, I read like probably, I don't know, five or six commentaries on, you know, can you lose your salvation or can't you lose your salvation? And every time I'd read something, I'd be convinced you can lose it. I'd read one says you can't lose it. I was convinced. And so one day I just said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, which is true? He said, why don't you go to my word and let me show you? But you know what that required? I had to let go of all that stuff I read. And when he told me that scripture, 2 Corinthians, I mean, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, and he said, look again, I knew exactly what he was saying. Just like I did with the eternal security uh, question. He said, go back to my word and look at what Jesus did and choose to accept what my word says over whatever else you've been taught. Isn't that a novel idea? Think about it. I've talked to a lot of people and they're like, well, we weren't taught that in church. It's like, well, I got a Sharpie if you want to blot that out of your Bible. Because <laughs> it's in the Bible. And, and the Bible, we should remember, you know, this is the only book that God wrote. So when we open it, we should say, oh, this is the book God wrote. Okay? But you know, your doctrine can hinder you from seeing that. Amen? So anyway, go with me, if you will, to John chapter 4. This is beautiful. And this is Jesus. This is how Jesus ministers to all of us continually. This is his heart. You know, there's a, there's a saying in the church, Christianese, where they say, well, God will meet you where you're at. Okay? And... Yeah, I mean, he's not going to translate you somewhere and say, hi, I'm God, you know, so he's going to, where you're at, he's going to be ministering to you, but he's not going to keep you where you're at. He's not going to just say, I'll crawl, I'll crawl down in the mud with you. No, he's going to do this. He's going to give you a hand up out. Okay, but how do we get out? See, most of us are thinking like I was that with sickness, the absence of symptoms 
equaled healing to me. How many would you agree with that statement? Be honest. Does it really? Don't forget, Jesus walked out of the tomb with holes in His hands and holes in His feet and a slash in His side. He didn't turn around and say, God, you're not done yet. Father, you know, let's what this. Okay, He didn't do that. Because He knew what the Word said. He understood the Word from a spiritual perspective. He didn't view the Word through His flesh. You know, most of our doctrines that we hang on to, they appeal to our flesh. The natural part of us. And that's why we hold on to them. We'll argue till veins bulge in our neck and our face is red. There's something wrong with that picture. You know, because I don't ever see Jesus' veins bulging and His face turning red when He talks to people. True? So, Jesus didn't defend the Gospel. He was the Gospel. He just spoke it. Amen? And that's what Jesus is always doing. He's always trying to lead us to see His view and His perspective. He will never impose it upon us because He's already accomplished it. And, and, if, and if He imposed it on us, He'd be no different than the devil. So He always presents it as an opportunity for us. But it's always going to be through the Spirit. Okay? So if we're carnally minded, what does the Scripture say about that? To be carnally minded is to really have a good time. No, it says to be carnally minded is death. You know the word there used in Romans, death, is just simply separation. So if you're carnally minded, you're separating yourself from the things of the Spirit. The rest of the verse goes, uh, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many of you have enough life and peace where you don't need any more? We could all use more. But it's already in us, in the Spirit, in Christ. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ. And where are you seated? You're seated in Christ. Amen. So in Christ, we have our answer. So if we have the answer in us, what's the deal? Why do we still have issues? Because we're not focused on the things of the Spirit. We have, we have natural things in our life that we hang on to that are important to us. And from someone else's perspective, they might look at us and say, that's ridiculous. Why is that so important to you? But until you are willing to hear what the Spirit has to say, and you lower that importance in your own heart, you won't see the things of the Spirit. You won't see that happen. But if you do allow it to happen, you'll find like I did, it was effortless to transition to the things of the Spirit because the other was, I saw the end of the other. It was like it didn't, it wasn't working for me. You know? Important point. But let's, let's look at this account. Pastor John said I had till 1.30, so. Oh, 2.30, okay, yeah. I don't know if I can go that long. <laughs> I'll be hungry by then. I'm already thirsty. <laughs> okay, here we go. 
We're in John. And uh, I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, And he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. This is speaking about Jesus. Notice how that's worded there. It says he must needs go through Samaria. What determined that need for Jesus? Remember, Jesus said, I only do the things that my Father tells me to do. So, what did he get a message? Angel sent down something? No, something spoke to his heart that said, hey guys, we're going to go through Samaria. And he just led the pack through Samaria. Amen? You know, our Father still directs us the same way today, but we don't have to listen. We can go the same way we've gone every single morning to work. We don't have to go that other way that came to our mind. But we might miss out on what Jesus saw here. Amen? So it says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Consider this. Uh, I looked this up, and you know I could be wrong, but they say that this city of Sychar is about 18 to 20 miles from Judea. So Jesus got up pretty early in the morning. If the sixth hour is noon, you know, the first hour of their day started at sunrise. So he walked a long ways in six hours. And you know what? Just like you and me, as the Scripture says, he was tempted in all things, tried in all things as we are, yet without sin. He got tired. He got tired. But you know what? He still did his Father's will. He stopped at the well. Why did he stop at the well? Well, let's see here. It says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. You know, every time you read about the disciples, they're either falling asleep after a meal or going to get something to eat or wondering who's got the bread. You know? I can relate. I feel like them sometimes, you know? Anyway, he goes on to say, it says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? It says, For the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. So get this picture. This woman, it's probably a ritual maybe a couple times a day where she grabs her pot and she treks down to the well to fill it with water and then go back to wherever she came from, this into the city. And this is probably a ritual she does every day. So that pot is pretty important to her, isn't it? You know, I can just picture her holding it, you know, when Jesus says, give me a drink, like get your own pot. You know, in fact, she says it right here. Listen, Jesus answered and said unto her, she said, he said, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest, would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. And the woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou li this living water? Notice where her mind is at. She didn't hear anything about the gift of God. She just heard about, I have living water. 
And in her mind, water only comes out of that well. And she says, wait a minute. You don't have anything to draw with. And that man, the well is deep. I can just see her clutching that pot even tighter. Like, you ain't getting my pot. Okay? And, and she's so focused on this water issue. True? Okay? Now, see, this is no different than me. See, I had that big old tumor on my chest. And I felt like death warmed over. Okay? And what was I focused on? I was focused on if I just got rid of that darn tumor, I'd be fine. Okay? So really no different than this woman. She's focused on something natural, and that's where her focus is stuck. Okay? But notice Jesus here. How He just so beautifully and tenderly draws this woman away from her focus on the natural things. Verse 12, she says to Jesus, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water will thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Wow, think about that. Jesus takes where her mind is at in the well, about the water there, and he says, well, if you drink this water, you're going to have to come back again like you've done your whole life. Get more. Because you're going to be thirsty again. But he said, I have a water that if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. What happened to her attention? Well, let's read on. The woman saith unto her, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, and neither come hither to draw. See, now this pot that she's holding on to she can see, wow, I may not need this. It may not be that important if I had this water. See, that's no different than, than the Father did to me when I got to this place where I realized what I was doing wasn't working. That my doctrine wasn't making the grade, so to speak. Because every time I visited my doctrine, I was still thirsty. True? I was still trying to get that quenched. But Jesus the whole time was talking to me. He was there at my well. Amen? You know, He's there at your well today. Amen? And so, um, uh, Jesus says to her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou saidest thou truly. Where did he get this idea? See, Jesus was again, just as the Father told him, Hey, go this way. And he stopped at the well. See, 
Notice that she was the only one that came to the well. Why wasn't everybody else going to the well? We don't know that detail. Maybe, maybe she didn't like hanging out with the other women. You know, we don't really know, but we know that Jesus knew his father had an appointment for him there. Amen? And he was willing just to go and follow what his father was saying. And when Jesus needed it in that moment, what did he do? He spoke a word to this woman that captured her attention. Okay? Do you know what I discovered is that Jesus is still speaking those same things right here in this Word. But you know, we're clinging to our pot. You know, we, we have, we're on a mission. We're on an errand. I've only got 10 minutes to get there and back. I've got to be here. I've got to be there. True? Anybody not have schedules that they're keeping? Even retired folks, I know. They got their, they got their whole day booked out. You know, I'm going here, here, coming home, taking a nap. Going here, 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 coming back, taking a nap. Going here, here, here. You know, they got the whole thing planned out. It's like... No, but the point I want to make is, Jesus is... You know, this is, this, I'm reading from God's word. So Jesus is saying this to us today. Okay, he's saying this to, to us today. And he got her attention by telling her something that she really knew was true in her heart. And he told her that to do what? To get her attention away from where her focus was. You know? I mean, many of us, we, we get up in the morning, we have our, you know, 30-minute devotional, and then we do this. And we go about our day. True? See, that's not our Father's heart. He wants, he wants this book to be left open in our hearts and minds as we go throughout the day. Amen? Listen to what this woman said, I lost my place. There we go. Listen to how she responds. The woman said unto, unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art our prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Look at this 180 degrees she has gone. From guarding this pot here to relaxing, and now, now her mind is completely off the pot altogether. Completely off the pot. And she's now thinking about spiritual things. And listen to what she brings up. She says, uh, she says, oh, you must be a prophet. And then she says, our fathers worshiped in this mount and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where we ought to worship. When did Jesus say you ought to be worshiping in Jerusalem? See, he never gave her a law. He didn't come to her with what she needed to do. He just presented a truth to her. And suddenly her mind is going back to the doctrine that she has down in her heart. The very doctrine that divided Israel 
into ten tribes and two tribes. So she got that from where? From her parents, who got it from their parents, who got it from their parents. And they all learned at the same place in church. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. And this is Jesus' response to her. It's the only place that's worded in the New Testament like this. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me. Believe me. What was he saying? By saying believe me, he was saying don't believe those other people. Let go of your doctrine. Believe me. See, he got her attention because he told her something that was true that she couldn't figure out how he knew that. When she said, you're a prophet, she was saying, you must be from God. See, he got her mind completely off of the natural realm by speaking the truth of the Spirit to her. Amen? That's exactly what the Father did with me. See, I was so focused on trying to get my doctrine to deliver me that I wasn't even hearing the Spirit of the Father speak to me. It was as if that tumor was my pot that I was holding on to. It sounds strange, doesn't it? Like nobody would hold on to their sickness, you know? And nobody would in their right mind but in a way, you are holding on to it if you're trying to resolve the issue through your own understanding. That's called being carnal-minded. Okay? Just cut right through the fat. <laughs> like Paul said, you know, I wanted to speak to you as unto adults in the Lord, but I can't. You're a bunch of babies. Because you're carnally-minded. You're picking and choosing like, oh, I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter, I'm of... Uh, Apollos. He says that's carnal. You know what Jesus had to say about that? He said, woman, believe me. Believe me. Do you know when you pick up this word, whether you realize it or not, your Father, through this word, which is spirit and life, is saying to you, believe me, Mike. Believe me. Let go of those other things you're thinking. Believe me. So this is Jesus' answer to her. He says, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He's saying worshiping the Father is not about going to a place here or there. And then he goes on to say this. He says, but the hour... Wait, did I miss... Yeah. You worship, you know not what. We worship, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Wow, that was, that was a low blow. <laughs> you don't know what you're worshiping. I know what I'm worshiping because salvation's of the Jews. He says, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in their flesh and being very carnal. What? Oh, yeah, thanks, Isaac. Let me read that again. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Do you see why Jesus moved her attention away from the carnal realm to the things of the Spirit so that she could truly hear from the Father? And His heart was for her to be free. It wasn't about having one husband or five husbands. That didn't matter to the Father. The Father wanted her heart connected to Him just like it was connected to that pot. Amen? That was His desire for her. Same thing happened to me. God didn't condemn me when I said, you know, God, I'm not believing. I'm trusting my doctrine. It ain't working. He didn't condemn me. He just said, hey, Mike, look this way. You know, I got this... uh, It was like I had this picture in my mind of a, uh, a mother talking to their child at the table. And the table's, the child's looking over at the uh, TV. And, uh, you know, may I, Jim? And, uh, and the mother goes, the mother comes over, you look that way. And the mother comes over, honey, honey, I'm talking to you. And she just gently moves his face until their eyes connect. You know, and that's exactly what I pictured Jesus doing here with her. And that's exactly what my father did with me. He didn't condemn me. He didn't say, turn off that TV. You know, he just said, hey, Mike, over here, look this way. And, you know, that's what he did with this woman. He said, hey, God is a spirit. He's not something you're going to go to and and offer a bunch of stuff to. He's a spirit. And those that worship Him, worship Him in spirit and in truth. He did the same thing with me. You know, Jesus said in John 6.63, He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. See, that's exactly what our Father left us His Word for, is so that we could be focused in on Him. You know, that's where our victory is. It's in what our Father has done through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That is, that is, it's so simple. It's profoundly simple, but it's spiritual. And you can miss it if you just are reading dried ink on a piece of paper. You might memorize it all. You might be able to quote it and parrot it all back. You know, when I, I remember when I was uh, assistant to the pastor, I, I knew all the answers to the questions. The pastor would have a sermon. It, it was pretty informal. We met in his, he built this huge room in his, in his house. There was probably 40 to 50 of us regulars. And, you know, I got to where I knew all the answers. So it's like, you know, raise, he'd ask a question. I'd raise my hand. You know, oh, I know. It's not about that. Here I am dying, but I know all the answers. Isn't something wrong with that picture? <laughs> Think about it for a minute. There's something wrong. Did I really have the answer? Or did I just have a bunch of information? See, if, if your information isn't spirit and life, it's not even, it has as much value as something you'd scrape off your shoe. 
okay? And it smells the same. You wouldn't want it. Your wife would say, get out of the house with those shoes on. But yet we carry it around all the time. We don't realize it. You know, I didn't. It's like, doesn't it seem, it's like, uh, it almost seems, and I'll admit this, I was stupid, but um, it seems like, wouldn't that be stupid? To just keep trying something over and over again, and it's not working, but it's actually create making the problem worse? What would you think about that? Agreed. Stupid. And see, the only thing that gets us out of stupid is the truth. You know, Jesus said in John 17, 17, He said, Thy Word, speaking to His Father, He said, Thy Word is truth. Do you know the cure for stupid is truth? Amen? My pastor used to tell me, he said, Mike, everyone has the ability to be stupid, but he says, don't exercise it here. (laughs) Okay? It's like, okay. (laughs) That was his line in the sand. Anyway. uh, So listen to this. uh, Verse 24 again. He says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. See, there's no way around that. Jesus says, if you want to connect with the father in the same way I've connected with him. Remember, Jesus said, I and my father are one. He said, if you want to connect with us, you have to do that through the spirit. What was he telling her? He was telling her, you know what? You can't be binding the things of the flesh. Let me, let me read a verse just in case you think, well, that was before the cross. Uh, listen to what this says. This is why Jesus told her and led her away from that carnal thinking. I'm going back to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, listen to what this says. It says, for to be carnally minded is death. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Listen very carefully. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. You know what those words mean, enmity against? It means in opposition to or to be opposed to. Do you know that your carnal mind, and it's a confession as well, my carnal mind was actually opposing what God had provided for me in Christ. But all the time I'm thinking, this is the way, this is the way I got to do it. I'm not doing it hard enough. I'm not doing it fast enough. But really, I was in opposition of God because I was in my carnal mind. Do you know why? Listen, it says, for the carnal mind, it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So what's the law of God? A law of God is by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. That is a law of God. But do you know that my carnal mind trying to get it through the flesh was actually opposing that law? So it could not be released in my life. And the Lord knew that. And He wanted to help me all along the way. But I had my doctrine. I was an assistant to the pastor. You know? Let's go back to uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, 
Verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Do you see how she's like totally tracking with him now? Her mind has moved away from the flesh, and now she's like zoning in in the spirit with Jesus. And she's like, this is coming to her mind. She says, yeah, I know the Messiah is coming, and he's called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, here's another first. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Isn't that beautiful? You know, I can say that in that moment that I shared earlier where I came to that place, the Lord was saying the same thing to me. I'm your deliverance. Look again. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2, I've determined not to know anything among anyone save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Same thing here. Jesus says, I that speak unto you am that Messiah. And then here comes the gang back up the, <laughs> back to the well. And upon this came the disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, why speakest thou? Or why talkest to the, uh, with her? Listen carefully. And the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come and see uh, a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? See, Jesus succeeded. She forgot her pot. She left it behind. Can you imagine the men seeing her? You know, she's coming down the hill. She's probably grinning from ear to ear. She's walking down the hill. And these men standing over here watching her. Ah, that dumb woman left her pot back at the well. Until she got to them. And they knew why she had that joy in her step why she had that bounce, why that smile was on her face. And she told him. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Think about this for a minute. What she said got these men, whatever they were doing, they dropped it all because of what she said and went to this well. See, there was more than just words she was communicating. She was a changed person. Something was different about this woman to the point where they're thinking, hey, we've got to go see who this guy is. Okay? And you know, that exact same thing happened to me in that moment when I realized, wow, I'm not believing. And the Lord did not condemn me. Our Father did not condemn me. In fact, He assured me that I was free. It's like, hey, it's okay to believe, uh, be in unbelief, but let's go this way. Turn around, leave that behind. Let's go this way. Let's look again at what Jesus has for you. It's like He was taking me to the well. Let's go, let's go talk. Listen to what happens next. It says, then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, the disciples prayed him. Here they go, food again. Master, eat! 
<laughs> and listen to what he says. I have meat to eat that you know not of. See, he's not thinking, oh, this would be a good answer to tell them. No, genuinely in his heart, he is totally spiritually minded. And he's saying, guys, I have a meat that satisfies me. You know, Jesus was drinking of that living water that he offered to that woman. And he had enough for her too. And he's telling the disciples, I have a meat to eat that you don't know about. Therefore, one of the disciples answered, here they go again. <laughs> Hath any man brought him out to eat? Like, where is it? <laughs> we went all the way down to the town to get food and you, somebody's feeding you up here. And Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. See, this is, this is why he said, I must needs go to Samaria. See, he was about his father's business. Why? Well, this next statement. Say ye not yet there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are all ready to harvest. See, he knew that. The father said, hey, Jesus, go through Samaria. Stop at the well. I got, I got a harvest there. That is so beautiful to me. And then verse 36, he says, He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is the saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. And he said, And I sent you to reap thereon, you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and they are entered into their labors. Do you know Jesus was actually describing himself there? Do you know that this woman already had things sewn into her? But Jesus didn't sow them there. The Father used someone else. And Jesus went to reap a harvest that the Father had already prepared for her. It's easy, folks. The Lord did the same with me. He had been sowing into me, but I was so distracted by my own water pot that I couldn't hear or see what he was saying, although I I knew I was familiar with the word, but it wasn't speaking to my heart to make me free from the cares of this life. Listen to what happens here. It says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that I ever did. See, what happened? The same thing that she received, she went and ministered to them. See, that's what will happen. That's what happened to me. Do you know, I was never free to serve God in my life. I was, it, 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 I mean, I had to do it. I was raised, you know, from I was a little kid. My grandfather was a Lutheran minister. My mom was a minister within our house. And she ruled the house with a rod of iron. Actually, it was a leather belt. Very thin. And boy, did it hurt. <laughs> Let me tell you. And uh, she's a small woman, but man, she got that down to where it would leave welts for days. And uh, the, But the point I'm making is that these people heard what she said. And they just believed what she said. Amen? 
But listen as it goes on. It says, So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And listen to the end result. And many more believed because of his own word. And they said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You know, think about this. Have you heard Jesus yourself? You know, you can evaluate in your own life. You can just look in the mirror. Am I changed? Have I left my pot behind? Have I chosen the one thing that is needful? Folks, it's not hard. Do you know, I was saying a moment ago, I was never free to serve God in my life. It was something demanded of me. But you know, the day that I received healing, this, is, this came out of my mouth. This is how free I was. I said, I don't have to serve God another day in my life and I'm healed because I heard from Jesus. And it wasn't to put me in under a new law. It was to set me free to the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. And you know what the fruit of it's been? I've served God more than I ever have prior to that. And I'm free to do it. I'm free to walk away at any minute. I can say, that's fine. That was awesome. But I don't want to do that anymore. And you know what? I won't be condemned, but I'll be going back to my pot. I left that pot behind. You know? Amen. If you've had a really good burger at a restaurant, I mean, one that you just like, I mean, your mouth is watering. You might be even picturing it in your mind right now. And because uh, it is that time, I think I'm towards the end, right? Uh, yeah, I got the clearance to land, so we're good. Um, circling the runway, coming in. Uh, no, but you get that in your mind and you've tasted that and it's like, oh, that is awesome. And then you're out somewhere and the only place available is McDonald's. It's like, yuck. I'll just go hungry. <laughs> Do you know, and that's what happens when you taste of Jesus. You know, this woman, that pot that was so precious to her, they're probably expensive in those days, you know? Probably not very common. You probably did have to guard it. You know, that was how you got water. You didn't have a tap at home to turn on. Okay? And so here she was. She got so spiritually minded. She let Jesus move her to where her mind was focused on worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. And look at the fruit it produced in her. She wanted to tell her friends. She went to the men. Hey, I met a guy who told me everything about me. He just told her one thing. But you know, when you have an encounter with Jesus, you just feel like he knows everything about you. And he still loves you. Isn't that awesome? You just, he just totally disarms us. Isn't that good? Amen. You know, and I just want to encourage you. You know, you might have going through a challenge in your life. You might even have a sickness or a disease in your life. But let me just tell you to 
Learn from the examples that our Father shared with us today. Identify, you know, ask Him, say, Father, what am I carrying? What am I using to keep me connected to the world? What is it that's hindering me from embracing the fullness that I have within me in Christ Jesus? Do you know, I need to read this too. I can't leave you hanging in Romans chapter 8. You know, it says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And then I said to be carnally minded is enmity against God. It's opposed to what God is doing. But listen to what our father follows that up with. He says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But listen carefully. This is a good but. But, verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. See, you're not in the flesh. You might be, you know, be led around with your nose by the flesh, but at any moment you can say, no, I'm going to worship my Father by walking in the Spirit. What is walking in the Spirit? It's just simply yielding to the Word. It's just simply letting the Word speak over all the other things in your life. Letting this be what makes your decision. Where you let spirit and life, the truth, set you free to where nothing's holding you back. Do you know that that woman drank of Jesus' water? That's why she left her pot behind. Isn't that beautiful? She's like, oh, I I see what you mean. I'm not thirsty. Forget about the pot. i got to go tell. Other people need this water. And you know, folks, that's what will happen. And it may not be you going sharing with other people, but you'll have that freedom within yourself. And that's where, that's where everything flows out of, out of the, your heart. Once you embrace that, what's going to happen? You'll be free. You'll be free to share with others. And that's awesome. You know, that's what happened to me. I'm free now. Not because I don't have cancer in my body, but I'm free because I met the one at the well and I accepted his love for me. That it's enough. That what he did for me is enough. I've had my face turned towards him with that gentle finger. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for all my friends and family here. Father, we just thank You for Your gentle touch today that You have moved our face to look and behold Jesus, the One that You gave for us, the One that has set us free from the bondage of the flesh and moved us into the kingdom of the Spirit. Father, I just thank You I just pray that every single heart here will walk out of here not forgetting what they heard today, but that they'll continue to hear what's in your heart and continue to look into your eyes and see their life through your view. Father, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I don't know if any of you need prayer or would like prayer. Um, we have the prayer team here that you can receive ministry from. And I'm also available if anyone would like to uh, speak with me 
afterwards. And I do want to tell you about something I forgot in the beginning I should tell you. Um, I am part of a group called Healing Journeys Today. Has anyone heard of that? Healing Journeys Today. It's an online uh, forum, you might say. It's on YouTube and Facebook, and we'll be getting our own internet television network in a couple months. And it's uh, live teaching on the specific topic of healing. I'm part of that. There's nine other folks that do it. And all of us have received supernatural healing in the same way that I described here through John chapter 4. And our heart is just to relate to all of you the obstacles that we went over through knowing the truth of God's Word and help relate that to your heart uh, so that you can embrace. You know, um, it's rare now that I go any place where there's not, you know, more than a dozen people that have something that they're either taking medication for or that they're hindering them. So healing is an important topic and it's part of the covenant that God has made with you in Christ. It belongs to you. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. So it's not something you need to get, but it's something that you, like we just talked about, that you need to be refocused on and see for yourself. And that's what our heart is for Healing Journeys today is we're sharing just, we're just people like you, you know, regular people that have uh, been to the well with Jesus <laughs> and we've left our pot behind. And uh, so I just encourage you, it's Monday through, well, it's all, all seven days a week and just go on uh, line. It's uh, Healing Journeys Today, uh, YouTube, uh, HealingJourneysToday.com and Healing Journeys Today, uh, Facebook. And uh, there's different times for each speaker, but just go on and check it out. I encourage you to go to the website. It'll give you a little bit of information about that. And then if you're interested in more uh, teaching, everything on my website is free. After I received healing, um, I asked my father, I said, our father, I said, Father, I said, this is awesome. It's good to be alive. <laughs> and uh, I said, but I said, I really don't know what happened to me to where I could help someone else. And so I asked him to show me. And that's where this teaching came out of, was he didn't take me and show me new things in the Word. He showed me how years before I ever got sick, how he was trying to talk to me, but I kept hanging onto my pot. I got my doctrine, thanks Lord. I got my doctrine, thanks Lord. I got a lot of information, thanks Lord. And that's where I saw where he took me back and showed me how he kept talking to me all along the way. And I'm, like I said, German, stubborn, stupid. And uh, it just took me a long time for him to get through. But praise God he got through. Amen. Can I get a hallelujah out of that? Amen. Amen. So. Thank you. Amen. Thank you very Amen. much. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. So if you would like prayer, the, uh, the elders will be up front here. And like Mike said, he will be also available uh, for ministry. And so that will be going on as usual. We always have the, the elders up here after each service to minister however the Lord leads. And you can be a part of that. Um, Pastor Peter did ask if we would just let people know that there is a uh, mission trip meeting today at 1230, if I'm right. Somebody say yes. 
Yes, 12.30. Remember the mission trip meeting. Otherwise, we're going to pray and dismiss. Thank you so much for everyone being here. Father, we do. We, we just thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Everything that you have is ours, and you have blessed us so much. Thank you so much for Mike and uh, for be, him being here and ministering today. And I thank you, Father, that word, those seeds sown are going to produce harvest in our lives in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. God bless.